You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we are covering every episode one by one in chronological order. Today, we're covering Grandparents, which originally aired February 12th of 2001, was directed by Todd Holland, and was written by Gary Murphy and Neil Thompson. Hi, I'm Jake, and what good is podcasting and war? And I'm David, and you gave me a hand grenade? I'm an idiot! And before we get to this week's episode, we need to look back on last week's episode, which was Hal Quits. Actually, we need to look back on the last two. There you go. I was going to say, Hal Quits was amazing. We should start with the the earliest one. Yes. Okay. Uh, Which was New Neighbors. Correct. Josh from Des Moines. Yes. You're out there. We know you are. (laughs) And you suck. And we have some poll results from that episode. So, for Shittiest Kid, we both chose Francis that episode. Makes sense. You uh, chose him for enabling Spangler. Uh Uh-huh. I chose him for doing show choir. Who can say which is the greater sin? Enabling. Enabling alcoholism. No, no, no. Show choir. I hate you so much. audience generally agreed. Francis got 75% of the vote, with Reese and Dewey getting 13% each. Dewey? Then, for least shitty kid, we both chose Dewey. Uh Uh-huh. But the audience disagreed with us. Dewey was tied for second with Francis, (laughs) but... The winner was Reese, who got 38% of the vote. What? Every kid got some votes on. What? What is wrong with the internet? <laughs> Did we break we the internet? <laughs> it really makes it hard for us, you know, pin uh, all of it on, you know, Josh from Des Moines. He's clearly out there with, raising an army to take uh, down this podcast. It's a conspiracy. That's right. It's a josh spiracy. Probably got a bunch of other Joshes together. Uh, probably. <laughs> but uh, we also had a bonus poll for new neighbors. Specifically, it was who was the shittiest neighbor. And this one, uh, we we both chose Tina, uh, the mom. Mm-hmm. But I feel like potentially with the creation of Josh from Des Moines, we may have skewed the results on this one ourselves. Maybe. As 100% of the vote was for Josh. Good. So the audience unanimously chose Josh as the shittiest neighbor. You know, I'm comfortable with that. Because it's, it's, I, I'm okay with Josh being a stand-in for Josh from Des Moines. Plus, Josh was pretty shitty. And the email we have. Oh, no. Which is, oh, is this the one titled, that's t- You're Wrong, also pertains to new uh... neighbors. And it is uh, from Grace, who has written in before a couple times. So I'll, I'll just go ahead and read through her email, which again is titled, Simply, You're Wrong. Yeah, it's going to be lighting me up, I'm sure. Jake wouldn't... Oh, y- Real quick. Y- you're you're going to be upset with this email. L- listeners, Jake has been holding this <laughs> over my head and telling me about this for, what, two weeks now? And has not told uh, me what this is it's about. It's been like three weeks, actually. Oh my god. Ugh. All right, get on with it. Okay, uh, so she says, You guys are so incorrect. I tried putting this into a tweet, but couldn't do it justice within the character limit. Wow. This is regarding your Francis's shittiest kid conversation. I will say the stuff when he was drunk was not a good look, but it seems like that was a lot of cadets. I'm not going to put that solely on Francis. Anyways, what I'm really addressing here is David's reasoning. First off, it's not Francis's responsibility to treat Spangler's alcoholism. 
impressive. He's supposed to be 16 or 17 at this point, and also clearly not a very mature, responsible kid. But when he came in to talk to Spangler, he was faced with a choice. Either he could A, tell the cr truth and crush Spangler. This would humiliate him, probably drive him to more drinking, and based on Spangler's past behavior at this point, likely cause him to punish the entire academy for it. Or B, lie and prevent Spangler from imploding, give him something to be proud of, pick him back up. He made this choice in a tiny moment, and for a 16-year-old without much foresight, I think there's not much more you could ask of him. Maybe in the long term, Spangler knows the truth would drive him to be better, but I sincerely doubt it. As far as the short term, option B was clearly better. I disagree entirely. As a person who works with addicts, I completely disagree. I can understand where your uh, mentality is coming from, but no, the truth is better even if it's harsh. The point of that is that they need to accept reality and they need to look at things and i'm sorry if that's so your way of coping with things whether it's anxiety or depression or the hurts and hang-ups from your past and people telling you that you're a piece of shit and things like that uh well first of all they're wrong you're not people have value but when you don't tell people the truth when you don't give them the ability to be accountable when you give them an out you're actually furthering the alcoholism and and the substance abuse and the mentalities that lead to those abuses i completely understand that it doesn't feel that way i understand thinking that but it it actually very much so by lying to them and giving them a way out you aren't really helping them um and i now i will concede She's absolutely right. Um, yes, it's it's not Francis's responsibility, and I'm not saying that it is. Because, yes, he's young and all of that, and I understand why he made those choices looking at the character that way. That doesn't mean that it's the best choice. It doesn't mean it's the good choice. And I was giving it to Francis based off of him making a shitty choice. Now, have I made shitty choices? Yes. Would I have made the right choice given me at that age and that? Probably fucking not. Because I, too, was an idiot. But it doesn't make it still not a bad choice. And Francis is acting like his friend and trying to be his friend. And if that's your friend, I'm sorry. They need to hear the harsh truth. And I've done it with people close to me. And it sucks. And you feel like a dickhead. But uh, In general, uh, honestly, I actually agree with you for once on this point, David. Uh, in regards to the alcoholism stuff. But I will say, I don't think of Spangler as Francis's friend. I don't... I, I, I think, like, him helping him in that moment wasn't an act of friendship. I, I feel like it was much more of a just him trying to be a decent person. And, and maybe so. And I, I'm not... Look, overall, Francis and Spangler are enemies. And I prefer it that way. It's better for the show. Yeah. But in that moment, that wasn't the vibe that was being given right. off. And it wasn't what was being attempted to be conveyed by the show. And I was judging it based off of that episode. I was not, admittedly, like I do lots of times, looking at the entirety of the series. Well, uh, on that note, Grace's email is not done. <laughs> oh, shit. You paused so long, I thought it was. No, I paused for, like, a breath and you started talking. But, but that's fine. Because, actually, uh, up to this point, uh -huh. I pretty much agree with you. I think for the rest of her points, I agree with Grace here. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll go on. It'll become clear later in the series that Spangler is prone to spiraling. Francis got a taste of that and did what he could to prevent it. Once David knows what I'm talking about, he will see that Francis' lie was actually very necessary. Grading on a curve, remember? <laughs> also, the stuff about setting himself up for embarrassment if he sees Oliver North is BS and you know it. 
From North's point of view, he listened to Candyman a couple times, had some cheese and crackers, and left early. Spangler's chances of seeing him again are slim, and even then, if he called him Ollie or mentioned they're drinking together or something, North would likely just shrug it off. Hardly a reason to call Francis worst. Anyways, just thought you should know you were wrong, and I will be voting Francis as least shitty kid purely out of spite. Wow. <laughs> also, Candyman was hilarious and delightful and one of my favorite parts of the show. Love your podcast. Keep it up, even though <laughs> David is always wrong. Sincerely, Grace. I <laughs> always wrong. Always. Thank you, Grace. <laughs> Like I said, I agree with David on the, like, Francis is unintentionally supporting Spangler's alcoholism. But uh, I also see your point, especially, like, with stuff that happens later in the series. This, like, Francis telling him the truth could have just destroyed Spangler on this. And I definitely agree with your point that David's argument about this, you know, in the fu- some hypothetical future biting Spangler in the ass with Oliver North is a pretty bullshit argument. No. One, lies will always come back to haunt you and fuck you over. Two, clearly neither of you have spent any time around lieutenant colonels in the fucking Marine Corps. You go call one of them by a nickname for their first name. Fucking see how well that goes for you. Because I've been there, seen that, done that, bought the fucking t-shirt, and I do not (laughs) ever want to get hit that hard again in my life. So... Again, and I didn't even I didn't even call him a nickname. I fuck. Look, I'm just saying, you guys have no idea what those type of consulty sea dogs are like. Look, most like normal marines. True. I will say most of them that I knew weren't felons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. But, but actually that actually like adds to the point cuz now that that whole like marine corps like esprit de corps that they have is like even more bumped up because he's like compensating but any officer from the marine corps that i have met now like some of the rank and file guys the guys who just served yeah you could you could walk up and be like what's up ass face and they'd be like that's mr ass face to you no big deal but any officer that i have ever met any marine corps officer no it is either whatever name they prefer to be called or mr whatever their last name is or if they're still like in service or acting in service or like contracting with them then it's their rank yeah that is it you call them anything else and they will smoke your ass i promise yeah and all over north definitely feels like that kind of yeah i it, yes they can see <laughs> yeah thank you but i feel like the larger point there is that it's so unlikely to happen that i'm not willing to like crucify france and, and okay. i will say because she, she also addressed it briefly in the email. Uh-huh. I do think, to clarify, the Candyman bit was funny. I just also think that, in general, show choir is an unforgivable sin. It, it was funny, but it's awful. I, I hate show choir, I but not as much as you. Um, I also hate musicals, but not as much as you. Um, like, there's a few musicals I actually like. Same. Is there? Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard you mention any musicals That's you like. That's not true. There's one in particular that I reference a lot. Oh, yeah. Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Block. But. <laughs> no, and I, I, I like Cannibal the Musical. I like plenty of animated musicals. I have no, I have no issues with an animated musical. That's fine. <laughs> Jesus, Jake. Uh, I will concede, though. You guys are right. Yes. The likelihood of that is very, very low. Yes. But the likelihood of anything in this fucking show is super low. So, uh, yeah. Bite me. <laughs> But also, thanks for writing the email, Grace. 
Yes, I, I appreciate you uh, calling David out for all you're wrong. Up. Someone <laughs> needs to fucking point out you're just. But someone, I'm always right. So, oh my god, someone <laughs> needs to fucking take an axe to your knees, metaphorically. You're uh, too short to have it done for real. Wow. Uh, okay. Uh, with that, let, let's move on to our poll results for how quits. Yeah, this better be good. Okay, so so uh, of course we had Eric on as our guest yeah. from File Under Entertainment, and so uh, we're we're going to have you know three people weighing in on these uh, mm-hmm. before we get to the audience poll. And for shittiest kid, you and I were in agreement that uh, Reese was the shittiest kid. Correct. Eric chose Malcolm, which neither of us were pleased with. Right. <laughs> Uh, we both gave him a lot of shit for it. We sure did. And, you know, we... we I believe at one point you may have even called him Josh from Des Moines. Uh, I may have. But, shockingly, in an absolute bullshit moment, I think maybe there, there, there's there's something shady going on. Yeah? The audience agreed with Eric. What the hell? As Malcolm got 67% of the vote, with uh, the, the remaining 33%, the, the sensible 33% of the audience agreed with us. Oh, well, yeah. See, this is Eric working with Josh. It, it very well could be. Yeah. It could be a conspiracy. I agree. And on a similar note, mm-hmm. for least shitty kid, you chose Malcolm. Correct. Uh, I chose Francis. Okay. Eric chose Reese. Right. Again, was our shittiest kid. Right. And uh, once again, uh, the audience has sided with Eric, our guest, over us, which feels like a slight betrayal. I'm I'm just saying, you know, you you, you don't need to, you know, stroke our guest's egos by agreeing with them in these polls. You know, you can, can, you know, vote what your heart really feels, which is obviously agreeing with us. Right. Yeah, if they can't tolerate being told they're wrong, they can't tolerate being on our show. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Reese got 50% of the vote. Uh, Malcolm, your choice, came in with 33%. And my choice, Francis, came in with 17%. Jesus. I'm sorry, but th- this this feels stacked. This is rigged. Eric probably, you know, he got the File Under Entertainment podcast listeners to rally behind him. It's, co- it's collusion. That's right. But we also had another bonus full for Halquits. Uh, and it was regarding the quality of candy... Which mold balls are. <laughs> Craig brought them up. And we all, including Eric, agreed that they were a B-tier candy. And the audience has agreed with us with 67% choosing malt balls as a, a B-tier candy. We did have one vote uh, for them as an A-tier candy. And we had one vote for them as an F-tier candy. Wow. Which is what I am declaring the Josh from Des Moines vote on. Yeah, that's one. that's definitely the Josh. I, I'm much more okay with people naming it an A-tier than an F-tier. Come on. Same. So that wraps up this community. Yep. I've got one more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, this comes from Simon from our Discord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. An avid listener. He, by the way, completely understands uh, the plot structure and how we named and labeled them uh, and followed through the episode and appreciates it. And uh, he also, by the way, reminds you that Malcolm's plot is the B plot for bitch, Jake. So uh, you just need to keep up here with this system. Eric gets it. Simon gets it. I get it. You're the only one struggling here. It's a bad system. It's not. It's, it's a bad not. system. Shut up. <laughs> also, wow. 
Simon thinks that it's great, apparently. I don't know. I'm putting words in his mouth now, but... <laughs> he does agree that it's B for bitch, which I believe is Eric's logic for it. Uh, I don't remember him saying that, but... I feel like he could, did. And then the rest, he just went on to talk to me about, you know, graphs and how they're only meant to deceive you in business. But that's... that's yeah. Oh, oh, another listener <laughs> calling David wrong. What a strange coincidence. No, he agreed with me, just partially. Yeah. No, you, you were very adamant, because that was a similar vein to my argument in the episode. You were very adamant that, no, it's all charts. <laughs> I did. That's because graphs are bullshit, Jake, clearly. I, I almost forgot about that. I, I'm going to stick to that. That's my thing. You're welcome. Hashtag all graphs are wrong. No, that's not the hashtag we came up with. It was hashtag was not it? all graphs. No, that was the one you came up with. Oh, Jake. <sighs> <sighs> no, but seriously, yeah, it was just Simon talking about the B-plot. That's all I had. Fair enough. Well, at least I, I talked to Simon on Discord uh, about Malcolm in the Middle so much. It, it's hard to, like, remember what's about, you know, the actual episode we're covering. Uh, right, fair. Yeah, he, he sent me actually something uh, today at, like, 7.30 this morning that I just recently read through about a Harvard research study that, like... Yeah, that, that not having friends is, a uh, As lethal to you as smoking? Yeah. Yeah. So with the, did he also send you the caption, Malcolm is dead? No, he sent mine, Rip Malcolm. <laughs> uh, which, I'm not gonna lie, I read that at first at work, like, real quick, because it popped up in my notifications. I was like, Frankie Muniz died? And then I read the article, and I was like, okay. That wraps up this community segment, so let's get to this week's episode. The cold open for this one is disgusting. It's both gross and relatable. Is it? Yeah, I, I, I relate to Hal's hairiness. We've covered this before. Yeah, we have. Ugh, gross. Don't ever make me pancakes, if that's what you do. Yeah, it's, it's how you make pancakes. But it starts with a shot of the boys uh, eating pancakes. They're all, you know, at the table. They look pretty pleased. Then Reese pulls a hair out of his mouth uh, from the pancake. Then Dewey does as well, and they put them on a plate that's in the middle of the table that's just a, like, ball of hairs. Uh, <laughs> it uh, pans over to reveal uh, Hal is making these pancakes, and he's wearing, uh, like, a tank top. And, of course, as has been established already in the show, he is very hairy, especially, like, his upper arms. And the, the, the thing that I find very relatable is the back of his neck. And shoulders. And yes, and he's using the spatula as he's cooking to, like, scratch his back. He asks uh, who's ready for seconds, and Dewey very enthusiastically says, I am. Right after gagging on a hair. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's all, it, it grosses me out only because we see... Like the source, like like Hal. I'm not. I'm not one of those people who's bothered. Like if I'm at like a restaurant and I get a hair, it's it's not a big deal to me. Really? Yeah. See, I think it bothers me less if I see the source. Having a random person's hair in your food, especially in this town. No. Mm -mm, uh. -uh no. Mm -mm, get that. Eh. Get that out of here. Oh uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to eat it, but it's, I, I don't freak out the way some people do. It, oh yeah. It happens. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to go all Karen, but you're going to get me food without hair in it. I, I I would not, like, ask for it to be replaced. Why? If I pay for it, I'm going to eat it. No. But I'm not going to eat it with your hair. There's basically no circumstances under which I would return food and ask for it. Even if it's the completely wrong thing, I, I, I will never do that. 
No, okay. So no, getting the wrong thing I enjoy, actually, because, like, I'm very routine and it's hard for me to break out of them sometimes. So, like, when they bring me the wrong thing, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, this is an opportunity for me to expand my horizons and try a new dish. I actually kind of like that. Yeah, fair. Um, like, that one's cool. Uh, and, no, I don't complain and uh, I still leave a tip and everything. No, if you ruin my food in some manner with your bodily functions no you're replacing it i paid for it i'm getting something yeah, i'm getting food no not if it's got a hair in it that's gross it's a hair that's gross that's uh, not that bad it is i worked in fast food for too long man i never can assume that it's like a beard hair or a head hair or no and also i've seen some people who that doesn't make it any better yeah fair but meh no, no, man. We're never going to agree on this. See, that's the thing. Is, is, you know, to you, finding a hair in your food means it's ruined. To me, it's like, oh, that's gross. Throw away the hair. I'll finish eating it. It doesn't bother me. All of Dewey's gross boy points this far in the show have now been transferred to you. No, no, yes. no, no. Everything Dewey has done is so much grosser than mm, that. Not to me. That's insanity. No. Yes. No. I know what's stored in hair, and it's gross. I guess. And there's dead skin in all the food that you eat from the people cooking it. Sure, sure, that's, that's fine. fine. That that actually doesn't bother me. Dead skin cells don't contain, you know, the shit that the person has consumed or been around or been... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, this is grossing you out way more than I thought it would. <laughs> it's grossing me out more than I thought it would. <laughs> like, I have... I've had this experience, and I've not had this big of a problem with it, but now thinking about it and trying to, like, defend why it's so fucking gross, I'm going through, like, the science yeah, of what yeah, happens yeah. Oh, to oh, the no. hair. I, I willfully choose not to go down that road when I find one. Yeah, too late, I I'm choose to there. go, it's probably fine, move it on. Remove from brain, and done. see, I am, <laughs> I could probably have done that. Five minutes ago. <laughs> and now, as I'm trying to, like, explain to you why, no, that's super gross, and you're wrong, my mind is running through the science and the possibilities and the things that I've seen, and then the movie Waiting comes up, and it's just even worse, and... Why did you do this? You just ruined so much for me. Good. I hate you. Well, getting into the episode proper, I have this divided just into two plot lines. Uh, that makes sense. I figured F plot and A plot. Yep. Yeah. I'm getting good at this. Well, I am. Last even week is, you know. Where I was, was right? Well, that was, that was dicey. It was two against one, and uh, we won. Majority rules. Yeah, yeah, listen. I'm no dictator, but, you know, I, I let democracy take take its course, but, uh, you know, now, now that it's back to, you know, one-on-one -on -one here, uh-huh, we're gonna, we're gonna have to, you know, cut that stuff out. What? Wow. <laughs> get, get, get back to, you know, uh, civilized discourse. Yeah, where, when Hal deserves it, he gets an H-plot. Yeah, which might happen someday. It hasn't happened yet in the show, but someday maybe. Oh, it definitely has. Uh, but of course, we'll be starting with the F-plot, as always. Yeah, you have to. It begins with the cadets watching news footage of Mardi Gras. Which is interesting. Cadet Eric is talking about everything going on and saying, that, you know, those are people with no respect for uh, the rule of law. And Francis says, he's right. That could be us. And then somebody asks, how would we get there? Where would we stay? And <laughs> Francis turns to him and 
I'm offering you 48 hours of debauchery. And you're asking me about logistics? <laughs> that line was good. And Francis leads the group to Mardi Gras. And he, you know, that, that scene ends with him saying this, this could be the best weekend of their lives. And it hard cuts to Francis uh, laying in bed, groaning, holding his stomach, just <laughs> looking miserable. Sweating, pale. <laughs> I've been there. And uh, one of the cats, I think Eric again says uh, he shouldn't have eaten truck stop sushi. Yep. And one one of the other cadets jumps to his defense, kind of. He, he more jumps to, like, the truck stop's defense. Yeah. <laughs> it said it was fresh. It says the cashier said that yellowtail was fresh, and my octopus was amazing. <laughs> then uh, all the other cadets go off to party and have a good time at Mardi Gras, leaving Francis behind, miserable and sick. Uh, the next we see of Francis, he is on the phone with Malcolm. He, he's trying to find out what Lois... Uh, used to put in their tea when they were sick uh, to help them. And then he has a brief conversation with Malcolm that we'll cover with the A-plot. Then the cadets return, now of course with a bunch of beads uh, around their necks and on their heads and on their arms. Uh, Hanging from their ears. And <laughs> yes. They're explaining to Francis uh, how great it is out there. They say there's free beer. Girls will lift their shirts if you give them beads. Uh, then they talk about how great it is. Well... <laughs> Francis is laying there, uh, wishing for death, quite literally. <laughs> and they, you know, they, they manage to hype him up enough that, that he decides, you know, uh, he's gonna fight through the sickness, he's gonna get out there and party. And, uh, they, they cheer him on as he leaves the hotel room. Like, immediately, uh, you hear the, the sound of Francis throwing up, and they bring him back in, literally carrying him. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And then, uh, Cadet Eric makes the comment, we're lucky we found a hotel with a, a drain in the hallway. <laughs> then, the last little bit we get of Francis, it's the, as all of the other cadets are, you know, getting ready to leave, as Mardi Gras is over, a now healthy Francis is, you know, sitting there disappointed, because he didn't get to do any of the Mardi Gras stuff. Uh, and he says he's not leaving until he gets some action. And at that point, a maid, who very clearly just wants to get rid of them so she can clean this room, flashes him. And he says, that's good enough. And they leave. <laughs> yes, poor Francis. So dejected. Yes. And that wraps up the F-blot. Yes, it was very simple. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious, you know, how they got the uh, footage for that Mardi Gras. But we'll talk about that more later. I, I assume there's a lot of stock footage of Mardi Gras. I'm, I'm sure too. I'm also sure that it is not from that year's Mardi Gras. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, so to the A-plot, which of course is going to center around visiting grandparents. Uh, starts... Uh, with Lois sitting at the kitchen table, and she has uh, two pink bill slips, uh, which is for, you know, overdue bills. And she's asking how, uh, which one they should pay. They can only afford to pay one, either their credit card or cable. And Hal says, you know, we can live without the cable. You know, we'll really come together as a family, play board games, sing songs. And Lois says, yeah, yeah, I, I get your point. We'll pay the cable. <laughs> then Hal opens the freezer to get something out, and it has stopped working. And he says, no, it stopped working again. Because apparently this is a frequent issue with their fridge. Yeah, Lois complains about it. You know, it only being five years old, but it's always breaking. She says she doesn't understand why. Then we get a montage of why. <laughs> Starts with the boys uh, playing hockey using the fridge 
uh, as the goal. Then uh, Reese like jumps on the fridge, grabbing the freezer handle and like pulls the entire fridge down, presumably on top of himself. Yeah, <laughs> rough. You missed one. It doesn't start with the hockey. It starts with them putting a piece of art up by driving a nail. No, that's how it ends. Is that how it ends? Yep. That ends with Dewey uh, literally hammering a nail in to put his art up. Am I backwards? Yes. Okay, weird. But after the montage, Reese and Malcolm come into the kitchen. They have a bet of who has the longer tongue. <laughs> they say Lois is going to settle it for them. <laughs> the loser has to lick the drain? The shower drain. Ugh. Full of delicious, delicious hair. Shut up, Jake. Keep moving. But they are interrupted as outside the kitchen window are Ida and Victor, Lois's parents, who knock on the window and insist they be let in. And then Hal comes in, like, from the back of the house, like, crouched down, trying to be sneaky, trying to warn them that Lois's parents are here. He comes running in, waving his hands up and down motioning them to get down and Lois, Lois, honey, honey, your parents are here. And then they see him. And he tries to turn it into like an awkward double wave. It's a real Jake move. Hey, you gotta wave with both hands. It's the proper way to wave. No, it's not. Anyways. It is, it is though. It's twice as good. It's twice as many hands. More isn't always better. Moving on. Uh, so then we get like a little introduction of the grandparents as they come in with Victor immediately walking up to Reese and, you know, uh, talking about how big he's gotten and doing the like, uh, you know, you need to clean your ear thing and pulling $5 and giving it to him. Then Malcolm tries to talk to him and he can't hear him, he says, because he sounds like a girl. Yeah, God. <laughs> this dude is awful. <laughs> Then Dewey comes in, and, you know, uh, Lois uh, says uh, he should be glad his grandparents are here to visit, which we then get a flashback of Dewey as a baby with a dirty diaper, Victor and Ida, like, standing over him looking down. It's a point-of-view shot from baby Dewey's uh, perspective, looking up at them, and they're you know, talking about how the, neither of them want him because he's, you know, pooped in his diaper. They don't want to change him. They say, let him lay in it so he'll learn a lesson. Oh, that's so bad. And then he, like, uh, it's hard to tell if they were, like, holding him or if he was on, like, a changing table or something. It looks like they're holding him because it looks like they're, like, fighting, passing him back and forth. Kind like, of, yeah. She's trying to push Dewey off on him, and he's like, no. And then they do the worst thing ever. They drop him, <laughs> so they just sort of look down at him, and Ida says, that'll teach him what happens to babies who wiggle. Oh, that scene is so infuriating. God. I, I love Ida and Victor. They're so good. I've never wanted to punch an old lady so much in my life. Oh, she she would kick your ass, David. No, she wouldn't. Oh, no, she would. You'll you trust me. You'll you'll see as the chauffeur. She would she would literally kill you. Like murder you to death. She could try. Uh-huh. She strangled border guards. I I caught that. <laughs> That's fine. Then uh Dewey like runs away back to his room away from the grandparents with a horrified look. Rightly so. Yeah. Then we go to the dinner table where you know, Lois is sort of apologizing, you know, say, saying that their fridge doesn't work. Asks Ida to stop smoking near the kids, which of course uh, she is hesitant to do. <laughs> she asks, what's it going to do? Stunt their growth? <laughs> you grew just fine. Then Victor is once again praising Reese for, you know, the, the way he is eating like an animal. <laughs> making fun of Malcolm for eating with a uh, fork and knife. 
Now, I will say, I'm not going to ruin it, but I considered giving Malcolm shittiest kid just for the way he eats pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Because he is, he's cutting the pizza with a fork and a knife. What the fuck? Fuck. Yeah, that's how some people eat pizza. Well, if you do, you're wrong. I don't even feel bad about saying that one. Usually when I, like, blanket statement something like that, like, I feel bad. I'm like, oh, man, that one listener, I really pissed. No, if you eat pizza that way, you're wrong. Straight up. I agree. I'm just a little less uh, emphatic about it. <laughs> that's fine. You don't have to be. I'll be emphatic enough for both of us. Thanks. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I'll take that burden. <laughs> <laughs> the internet already hates me anyways. Well, see, that, that's why I'm being, you know, so horrible on the podcast. I, I'm trying to, you know, draw some of the heat, you know, my direction. Oh, oh, okay. So you're welcome. Just keep in mind, every time I'm being an asshole to you, I'm really helping you. Oh, yeah, You should yeah, be thanking yeah. me. No, not even. <laughs> not close. Look, being an asshole to somebody that everyone hates doesn't get you hate. They're oh. just like, man, that guy really hates him. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know what? I, th- I think we should keep trying, though. For science. Sort of seeing how Victor is, you know, uh, very clearly treating Reese better, and it's getting to Malcolm. Lois uh, brings up that uh, Malcolm is in a special class. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> which, which Victor immediately says, that does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, no, no, a good kind. It's an advanced class. And Malcolm explains that uh, they just finished reading The Grapes of Wrath, and, you know, they're getting into advanced algebra. Victor takes Malcolm's comments about, you know, learning math as an insult, because he never learned math, because when he was Malcolm's age, he went to war. And what do you need math in a war for? Exactly. Then Victor and Hal both go for the last slice of pizza, and Victor tells Hal that he can have the last slice of pizza when he can provide for his family. That's a low blow to say to a man in his own home. Yeah. You know, when Hal says he does take care of his family, he uh, brings up the fridge thing, says, you know, he can't even provide food for his grandchildren. Uh, It's just a huge asshole. Yeah. It's great. It is triggering as shit. Then he offers to pay for a new fridge when they talk about it getting repaired. And Ida says it's a good thing that their generation saves money. They they don't waste it on, you know, things like toys and dolls. Uh, When she was growing up, she dressed a block of wood up in a dress, and she was happy to have that. Veterans. That comes off weird for people who don't study generations. Look, that's the generation name. I'm not talking about military veterans. That's not the generation name. Yeah. No, it's not. Yes. Not the standard one. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. For the generation before the boomers? Yeah. No. It's the greatest generation. Yes. Before that's the lost generation. You're you're talking to a historian about history. That's what it is. That's fine. The dude with the PhD who wrote the the presentation that I have to teach on it disagrees with you. Well, he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell him that. <laughs> Look, all I know is the stuff that I'm trained on because I didn't study that shit in school. My history is all pre-1977. All. And yes, I'm aware that so is that generation. But realistically, the history I paid attention to stops at, like, 1830. Ah, so you studied the least interesting portion of history. What? Oh, no, that's absolutely the case. No, ancient history, great. History post, like, 1950, great. That middle section, you've, you, you like the worst. So boring. Um, my class started 
with ancient history. Yeah. It glossed over a lot of it, unfortunately. Yeah, they, they always do. I know, it's so annoying. You have to take, like, specific classes to get in-depth with stuff. Mm-hmm. So fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you historians break shit up really wrong. No. We just, as a society, do a bad job of deciding what's important. Because it's centered around, you know, us. <laughs> That's fair. American, like, like uh, any, like, required history thing in, in America is always like, well, history begins with the start of the United States. Uh, before that, you know, there's some British people. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little, but really... <laughs> See, that's that's definitely not the education that I got in history. It was much more, the history of the world starts with the Mayans. Uh, oh yeah, there were like lots of people before that, but we're going to talk about them for five minutes, mm-hmm. and then move on. Mm-hmm. And then history starts with the Mayans. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, there were like some Aztecs and some other people, but they really don't matter. Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the rest of it's just uh-huh. glossed over. Uh-huh. Yeah, I hate that. Uh-huh. You know what that coincides with, with the exception of the Mayan detour there what you just said yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no yeah. i know yeah see see the, the industrial revolution that's that's just an excuse to justify it yeah no look <laughs> i'm with you but i'm just saying i spent an awful lot of time both in high school and in college having to learn about the mayans yeah that's weird both times that, that, that is non-standard is it really <laughs> oh yeah no, no. The, the, the like standard high school history education is basically just world war ii that's yeah. that's all high school history teachers want to teach it's just world war ii Really? It doesn't matter what the class is. World history, American history, it doesn't matter. It's all about World War II. World That's probably War- at least half of every history class I had from middle school through uh, high school. World War II was the smallest portion of my history education, both in high school and in college. Yeah, no. Like, even, like, the standards and stuff, like, that's part of it. It's super World War II focused, but it's also just a thing of, like, for whatever reason, every high school history teacher, that is their thing. Dude, I'm glad I didn't go to public school, because, like, I learned about World War II later on my own out of interest. I didn't ever, like, I think I literally had one test on World War II in high school ever. That's crazy to me. Yep. But, uh, back to that episode. Yeah, where we talk about the Great War. Yes. Which is World War One. I'm aware. Okay. Franz Ferdinand. The band. <laughs> I'm familiar. That's they, actually they, a pretty good band. But, you know, they sang Take Me Out, and then someone did, and then war. True facts. You can trust me. I'm a historian. I hate you so much. <laughs> I haven't had enough caffeine to deal with this. Can we get back to the episode, please? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember where any of I'm looking through my notes. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, we went on a lot of tangents there. We went on a history tangent based off of statements made in the episode because we were talking about generations because the grandpa... I'm trying to, like, give you the cues here, and you're just not picking up on them. Well, because you're not giving very good clues, David. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I know where we are. I found them in my notes. Uh, so, <laughs> Lois refuses to let them pay for a new fridge. That's where we were. We hadn't made it there yet, but that's okay. Guess, Keep going. Yes, we had. The, the, the last thing it said is that they offered to pay for the fridge. Then, you know, Ida made comments about their generation saving money. It's the last thing I said. The next thing that happens, Lois turns them down. Okay. Now he's not paying attention. Oh, no, I'm paying attention. No, no you're not. Yeah. You're wrong. Then we get a uh, little scene of Hal and Lois, you know, sleeping in the boys' room. Uh, they're, they're, you know, in the bed that usually Malcolm and Dewey share, and... Hal is talking about how they should uh, take the, their offer. You know, they, they should take this load and get a new fridge. Lois is talking about how if, if he does, they'll, you know, just degrade him and, and talk down to him. And Hal says they already do that. 
<laughs> they'll hold it against. They'll hold it over you forever. Then their their little conversation ends with Hal saying, "You know, uh, he he can take one for the team. Uh, they should do this." Lo- Lois is very proud of him. Then they uh, start kissing, and you know, they're getting hot and heavy. Then a like squeaky toy falls on them. And Lois decides that they, they, you know, can't have sex in Dewey's bed. That would be wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't really get the like that would be wrong. I think she's literally saying that they can't because of all the toys and junk on the headboard and stuff. Fair. fair. Because that little blue elephant that keeps popping up falls on them. <laughs> but we we then see the new fridge that, that they have bought, which Hal is very excited because it makes two different kinds of ice cubes. Yes, round and square. Then, you know, they're talking about how great it is, and uh, Victor comes out to get something out of the fridge, to get specifically orange juice out of the fridge, and Hal says, uh, isn't it great? He's talking about the fridge, uh, and Lois asks if they can get the uh, check that they, you know, said they would give them, and Victor says that they've changed their mind. They don't, they don't want to give money to family because it always turns out awkward, uh, so they're not going to. Then he spits the orange juice he drank, everywhere because it has pulp leaving lois and hal very stunned and panicky at the table yes and then they like hurry to the boys' room and have another conversation trying to figure out what they're going to do uh hal says he can't return the fridge because he bought it on sale and they resolve that they're going to have to both work overtime for the next couple weeks to you know make up the money that they spent on this fridge uh and in order to do so so that there's someone to watch the kids they ask lois's parents to stay a little bit longer for a couple weeks to watch the kids while they do all this extra work once they agree to this we get another little dewy moment as he comes out of his room and they tell him that for the next couple weeks his grandparents are going to be watching him he has another flashback this time he has a like little plastic tricycle it's a big wheel yes and he uh, is like by the driveway and victor is backing out and clearly doesn't see him uh, and he has to like bail and leave his big wheels behind and it gets caught like uh behind the back tire of his car as victor drives away yeah it's in the rear fender and he drives off with it uh and once again dewey just runs away this time outside fair i mean they've almost murdered him twice yeah fair then we flash forward a bit victor is coming home with reese from getting ice cream uh which of course malcolm's upset that he didn't get any and Victor you know, asks where their parents are and when they're still not home because, of course, they're working overtime. He <laughs> makes another really shitty comment about how, you know, people are going to work all the time. They shouldn't have kids. Then when Malcolm asks Reese why, you know, they treat Reese so much better than him, Reese presents his theory. It's a pretty great theory. <laughs> it boils down to he thinks they're, you know, protecting the bloodline by ensuring Reese's success. <laughs> They're backing the winner. Then uh, we get a scene of Malcolm and Ida walking, uh, which Ida is like bent over, like gasping for air <laughs> when they cross the street. And Malcolm offers uh, to help her to you know either carry her purse or, or her whiskey. Uh, and her response is just, uh, I've strangled border guards, you know. <laughs> Very, uh, you know, related to the situation at hand. Yeah, she doesn't need help, David. She can take care of herself. Strangling someone does not mean... You know what? Never mind. Then some kids walk by, and they make fun of Malcolm, uh, you know, for walking with his grandma. They call him a mama's boy. Then 
Ida is upset that Malcolm doesn't stand up for himself. So she taunts this group of boys. Uh, they, they come over and they're, you know, sort of menacing him a little bit. Then when uh, Malcolm sort of talks his way out of it and they, you know, leave him alone and start walking away, Ida picks up a rock and throws it at one of their heads. Of course, they come over and beat the shit out of Malcolm. <laughs> yeah. When we cut to uh, Malcolm in the bathroom with, you know, Lois uh, treating his wounds. Uh, it's mostly a black eye. Yeah, he's also, his chin's all messed up. Yeah. And Malcolm asks Lois if she likes her parents. And she says it doesn't matter if she likes them or not. You don't get to pick your parents. You, you just kind of have to deal with them. She says, uh, when, you know, when, when they're getting really bad and it's looking really rough, she just reminds herself that they'll be gone soon. And Malcolm says, back to their house? And she says... Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> that part's pretty morbid. I was like, wow, Lois, all right. But after the next couple scenes, it made sense. Oh, yeah, Victor and I are horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I already knew that, but they're really bad. Oh, yeah. Jesus. This is the only appearance of Victor, but uh, Ida just gets worse from here. This is her best showing. What? <laughs> this is her best? Yes. Does she have to compensate for Victor? Jesus. How is she the sweet one? Now, remember when I said that they'd be, you know, introducing one of the show's big villains soon? <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize you meant their grandma. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Then we uh, get a scene of uh, Lois coming home from work uh, at night, and Hal is experimenting with the different kinds of ice cubes. <laughs> he says that uh, one cools the drink faster, but the other lasts longer. That's a thing. Lois points out that he's one of the thermometers he's using for these experiments is a rectal thermometer. <laughs> he then quickly retorts with, I'm going to go brush my teeth. Lois gets upset that Hal is spending all this time, you know, focusing on these ice cubes. They sort of start arguing with Lois getting upset that Hal's not doing stuff that she wants him to around the house. Hal says that uh, you know, she, she's misdirecting her anger at her parents at him. Then that quickly turns into, like, mo the bulk of this argument is about the fridge that Hal chose. Yeah. I love the line that ends it, though. Hal grabs up, like, some of the kid's bedspread and a pillow. That is a baseless accusation, and I'll be in the garage until you apologize. And they're talking about the the noise of the motor. I know. They moved on from the noise. Oh, that's right. And that's when Lois says that it keeps things too cold. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But they do argue about the motor for like a minute. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that That's what really sets Hal off in the argument. Four it's, layers. <laughs> she says she can hear it humming at night. And Hal <laughs> says the 5100? No way. Then we, we get another scene of Ida and Malcolm. As Ida is sitting out on the porch smoking, and uh, Malcolm comes over to tell her something, and she, like, flicks his chin and gets upset that he wasn't prepared to defend himself. And he says, well, I wasn't expecting you to hit me. <laughs> and she says, that's how they get you. Yeah, I don't know who she's preparing him to, like, fight. Maybe some Cossacks, I don't know. Yeah, but... that, that's definitely the impression that I get, given, given you know... Uh, Malcolm's earlier comments when he's, like, trying to bond with her when they're walking uh, about all the revolutions and the history of the country she comes from. It sounds like Russia. Yeah. Well, and their accents, too. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, it, it definitely sounds like a, a sort of Slavic. Yeah, it, it's that, like, vague Eastern European... I, I very much get the impression, like, they, they were an ethnic group that, like, had to flee Russia, which, you know, pick one, there's plenty. Right? I was gonna say, 
I feel like by now, just about every group of people that's ever been in Russia has been forced to flee Russia. Yeah, yeah, at one point or another, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then she starts, you know, scolding Malcolm, but once again for not defending himself, as she flicks him a couple more times until Mal- Malcolm's finally had enough, and he, uh, you know, finally blows up and yells at her. Yeah, explaining how he's smart, he's going to be successful and maybe even rich in life because of it. Then he, like, ends this while he, you know, he's going to storm off, but he immediately turns and runs into a beam. <laughs> she says, I warned you about the eyes. Yes, which is a, a comment to earlier she was uh, talking about how much Malcolm likes reading when he was trying to, like, bond with her over history. Uh, and she says that uh, he won't be happy reading until he's given himself eye cancer. <laughs> which, you know, of course, just takes all of the energy out of Malcolm's little rant. Yeah, and Ida sits there completely unaffected. Yep. And meanwhile, inside, Victor is giving Reese his military gear. From World War One, The Great War. The Great War. <laughs> when he opens the suitcase, like, we see some of the stuff. Uh, he has, you know, K-rations. He has his old uniform. He well, has... he has a chocolate from a K-ration. Yes. It's not yes, a full K-rat. Tr- true. But he's, you know, sort of giving some of it to Reese, uh, explaining what it is. And then Reese picks up a hand grenade and immediately pulls the pin. <laughs> I want to chastise Reese here, except at his age, that would have been my response too. Because, like, you never expect it to be a real hand grenade. And I can say that I did pull the hand grenade on a dud in a, a, a surplus store. Because I don't know if you've ever seen those where they have, like, the uh, the shells where they pulled the core of unexploded grenades. Yeah. And they sell them. Yeah. When I was about 12 or 13, I 100% pulled the pin out of one just to see... You know, like, what's going to happen? And when the hammer and when the spoon didn't fly off, when uh, I let go of it, I was disappointed a little bit. And then I realized, what would I have done with this? Yeah, I I, I can't relate to that. I was the kid who didn't like lighting fireworks. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, I don't understand that at all. I'd right? seen Donnie Darko. Or no, not Donnie Darko. Uh, butterfly effect. Butterfly effect is what I was thinking of. But yeah, I, I'd blown up my fair share of things by this point, so I was fine with it. Explosions were a part of life. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I would not pull the pen out of a grenade without, I, like, m- much reassurance that it was disarmed. <laughs> I would, and have. Okay, uh, we're, 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 you know, furthering the, the David is Reese theory that you came up with. <laughs> Look, I'm not happy about it. I feel like I evolved better than he did. But, yeah, I mean, look, I was partially because of your dad. By the time I was, like, 13, I gave no fucks. And I was not afraid of shit. Ah, see, my dad is the... uh, I feel like a big part of why I'm the complete opposite. Because I saw all of the damage he did to himself constantly. But, of course, uh, Victor starts freaking out once Reese does this. And immediately, like, grabs his hands to make sure he uh, keeps the handle... His hand on the handle. And (laughs) explains that this is a live grenade. If he lets go, they're both going to die. And Reese immediately panics. Yes. And they, like, run out, uh, both of their hands still on the grenade, both very clearly panicking, not knowing what to do. And uh, Malcolm says uh, they should call the police. Victor immediately says, no, no police. And he actually, like, swats the phone away off of the table, just launches it. And uh, Reese is trying to take his hands off the grenade. He doesn't want it anymore. He's trying to give it to Malcolm. I was going to say he offers it to Malcolm, which is great. (laughs) And Victor immediately says, no, it's yours. That's right. You can't give away your birthright. Exactly. 
even if it is getting exploded into smithereens. Yes. Then, in this, like, kerfuffle, they both let go. The hand grenade lands uh, on the table in front of Malcolm, who uh, quickly picks it up, throws it in the fridge, closes the door, and they all run out of the house. Yeah. It's pretty great. I like the way they did it, because you can actually see, like, the spoon go flying and everything. Uh-huh. Um, it's very clearly a fake grenade when you see it hit the table. What? They didn't use a real live <laughs> grenade? What the hell? I mean, you could have at least used, like, a real shell. But, I mean, I don't know. But, uh, as, as they, like, all reach the front lawn, Hal uh, is coming home, and, you know, he, he asks what's going on, and <laughs> Victor says nothing, and as he says that, the house explodes behind him. <laughs> like, you can see through all the windows, just... Light and smoke. Yeah, I was gonna say, not the whole house. The house doesn't blow up. Yeah. But there's an explosion in, in the, the house. house. Yes. And Hal says, What was that? And Victor says, What was what? And runs away. <laughs> yeah. The minute Hal b- breezes past him, Victor is gone. Yeah, he like very casually like walks past Hal, and then as soon as his back is hurt, he just takes off. It's great. <laughs> then cuts to uh in the kitchen. Lois and Hal are on one side, uh, with Victor and Ida on the other. Lois is screaming at them about giving her kid a live grenade and calling them crazy, which is fair. Yeah. But, uh, Ida, like, immediately shuts her down. She says, you, you never talk to us that way. Then she says something, maybe in Russian. I, I didn't look into it. Uh, I didn't either. I didn't recognize it, but... Uh, and Lois, like, immediately just shuts down, and Hal says uh, he, he wants to talk to them alone, and you know, he sends Lois and the boys away, and he sits down with him at the kitchen table, and he uh, explains to them that they, they are going to give him $3,000 for all of the trouble that they've caused, uh, and Victor is indignant that he wants them to loan $3,000, but uh, Hal assures them it's not a loan. Yeah, no, definitely not a loan. Then it ends there with uh, Hal successfully convincing them to pay them the $3,000. That's a way to put it. We'll definitely be talking about that here in a few minutes. I, I, I kind of thought we might. Uh, but we did uh, skip over, uh, we, we do also, uh, the call between Francis and Malcolm, the portion that uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- relates to the A plot, is <laughs> when Malcolm says that... Uh, you know, their grandparents are there. He asks if they knocked or if they just heard their cloven hooves as they approach. And he uh, says that they have tiny lizard brains and they don't like anyone who's, uh, you know, smart or ambitious. <laughs> he tells him to say hi. To, uh, do you did you write down what he? Uh, I didn't him? write down their insults. No. Oh, it was so good. Like, cause I remember what he says back to Francis, but Francis calls him like, uh, oh, I wish I could remember. It was so good. My son was crawling all over me at the time though, so I was kind of distracted. And then, but he insults him something and calls him like a soulless something or other. Yeah. And Malcolm translates that to say Francis says hi, <laughs> and then Victor <laughs> says, uh, useless delinquent. <laughs> And Malcolm also translates that back and says, he says hi back. Yeah. Uh, But that wraps the episode up. That just leaves our awards. Awards. Now, since we were just kind of referencing it, what did you have for your hot dog with mustard on it award? Your award for the best line. Probably the simplest one I've had yet, but it refers back to the the whole scene, realistically. And it is Hal leaning over the table and clarifying in no uncertain terms to Victor and Ida, referring to the $3,000, it's blackmail. I love this scene because he sits them down like like you just described and, and he goes over with them like, I know you hate to loan money. And then he, you know, expresses that he's blackmailing them because with one phone call, 
he could have their sorry asses thrown in jail for child endangerment. Which he's not wrong. Yeah. So yeah, I, I absolutely love this line. Uh, I love Hal referring to blackmail. Also, I think that this scene le- lends credence to the uh, theory that Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad are in the same universe and that Hal is Walter White. Uh, both this scene and I also, there, there's very strong Walter White vibes, I think, too, in the scene where Lois, uh, when Victor first says he's not going to give them the money he said they would, and Lois says, I, I could just strangle both their necks like chickens, and Hal says, that wouldn't help anything unless you're the beneficiary on some kind of life insurance policy (laughs) oh it's so good (laughs) no what am i thinking (laughs) dude brian cranston's so great he is but my choice for the hot dog with mustard on it award uh comes from reese when he's explaining why he thinks victor and i don't like him more than malcolm and he, he says if the future is as bad as me and grandpa think it is then the only survivors are gonna be mutants cockroaches and me <laughs> and we're all gonna be living underwater oh god <laughs> They're back in a winter, Jake. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I really like the dynamic between Reese and, and his grandparents. Seeing the grandparents makes Reese make more sense. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what did you have for your roller skating teen award? Your award for the best visual moment. <laughs> I have it in my notes as simply grenade fridge. That was speci- which specific part? Because both of my choices actually relate to that. <laughs> that is awesome. I love, uh, again... Tying back to my best line, I love when Hal is sitting in the kitchen with Ida and Victor, <laughs> and the the kitchen is exploded. Specifically, the fridge. The doors are all blackened. The food's all destroyed. It's all blown out. It's so good. Yep. And it's such a perfect prop and a backdrop for the blackmail <laughs> line. It's just. It's another one of those background moments that someone could easily overlook and not pay any attention to but it was the only thing i was focusing on yeah that uh, that was my backup uh my first choice was the explosion itself uh <laughs> just, just the way that we only like see it through like the windows and, and it, again it's a background thing it's the quick flash yeah and, that uh, and then you know followed uh by the, the way victor reacts uh, which uh, we haven't mentioned who they're played by. These are actually like two kind of big actors. They're, they're two very big character actors. Right. Uh, Victor is played by Robert Loja. Uh, he might know from like Independence Day, Scarface. Uh, he, he has like just a huge career spanning back like to the 50s. Uh, and then Ida is played by like one of my favorite actresses ever, uh, Cloris Leachman, who is fucking awesome. She's in She's... Young Frankenstein. <laughs> uh, she, she was in, oh God, I can't believe I'm forgetting this guy's name. The, the Alfred Hitchcock guy. There you go. <laughs> like, she's just one of those actresses who's been around for fucking forever, and she's still doing stuff. She's a Mima and a Raising Hope. Yep. Like, I love Cloris Leachman. Cloris Leachman is hilarious, um, and she is like <laughs> that character of the mean, crotchety old lady is so perfect from her. Oh, yeah, she... She does it so well. Oh, I know. And she will make you believe that she can kill you. Yeah, she's been active since, I believe, like, the 30s. I'm sure. Like, I know her first big thing was the Mary Tyler Moore show in the 70s. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, and then... She plays the landlady. I remember that episode. Again, I fucking love Cloris Leach. Dude, she's great. (laughs) Like, honestly. Um, 
I can't remember what else I've seen that she's been in, but you mentioned Raising Hope. I love seeing her in that. That's such a good show. It is. Um, if you like Malcolm in the Middle, you should really check that. It, it does very much feel like like a spiritual sequel. It does. In a lot of ways. I'm trying to remember what I've seen her in most recently, but I mean, like, I, she's been in Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, and... mo- mostly now. Like, since uh, Raising Hope, she's mostly been, like, doing voice stuff. Yeah. But, like, she's uh, the voice of... Uh, Are you like, talking about in The Croods? No. Because she's in that one, too. I've actually never seen that. Uh, but, uh, like, in the DC animated stuff, she's always the voice of uh, Mother Good, or whatever her name is. Oh, the, like, the... evil fairy godmother. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one that's, like, always working with or kind of akin to freaking Darkseid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I can never remember her name either, but she's a DC character, so who cares? But, wow. <laughs> look, I... I, I've read a lot of DC Comics, and I never ran across that character until the animated stuff. Fair. <laughs> so, <laughs> I definitely associate her way more with, like, DC shows than DC Comics. Yeah, same. <laughs> but yeah, Cloris Leachman is amazing, and her role as Ida here is great. Um, they, great acting, because... Yeah. Absolutely shitty people. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, th- this is the only appearance of Robert Loja as Victor, unfortunately. But uh, I, I, I fucking love his acting in this episode. His one appearance is so memorable. It's he, so good. He is so much the stereotypical guy from the old country. <laughs> yeah, and just like his, his physical, like a lot of just small physical acting stuff he does is really good in this episode. Like I already mentioned the phone thing, uh, and that's part of why I chose that specific moment as my uh, roller skating king award as his, you know, his very casual, like, walk past Hal immediately followed by the sprint. It's just so fucking good. Well, and it's, it's very much so that old-timey, like, comedic sprint that, like, encapsulates... It's over the top, but also looks like how an older person would run. You see it a lot in old school comedies. Yeah. Um, it's done to kind of give that extra effect of, you know, the. it's got like the Three Stooges sound effects in your mind without actually adding any sound effects. It's great. I love it. That's that's fair. I, I appreciate that. I just, I love the, the blown up fridge. Oh yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Like I said, that was my backup. <laughs> and what did you have as the A-plot of your heart? Uh, the A-plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. Like, Francis' plotline, it's it's pretty good, but it's, it's not nearly as memorable. No, yeah. I mean, how can it be? Yeah. And... Now, I've already talked about most of my reasoning here, but uh, who did you have for favorite characters? I had Victor. That makes sense. I did not. I gave it to Hal. Okay, fair Again, enough. And because of that ending scene, it was originally Ida, even though I hate her. But I oh, love yeah, she's her. horrible. She's so fucking good. <laughs> she's hilarious. And a little bit reminds me of my dad's mom. Like in that that first flashback where she drops, where they drop Dewey. Like she looks so much like my dad's mom. Oh god! And, and like the the smoking thing. Like my grandma's one of those people who like bought like wholesale into like old school smoking propaganda. Oh no! Like she she smoked her like entire life, and she could not be convinced, even by doctors, that it was bad for you. Right? She said it was good for you because it made you cough up all the bad stuff out of your lungs. Yeah. Oh, God. See, my grandma didn't smoke in my lifetime that I know of. I didn't really get to know her a whole lot. But, like, she was very much the, like, sweet and, like, 
appearances matter, you know? Like, out in public, she wouldn't really make a scene. But if behind closed doors, like, I watched her just rail my dad for just oh, yeah. nothing. Absolute monster of a woman. I could go on about stories from that grandma. Like, I... She infuriated me, but she basically was if Ida was from Oklahoma instead of Slavic somewhere. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, my grandma's, you know, less evil than Ida. Uh, not mine. Still, still, still not, you know, a great human being, but, you know, much much better than Ida. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, my, Even just based on this episode. My grandma could give a run, could give Ida a run for it. Okay. Ida at least gives a shit about the concept of family. My grandmother did not. Then, what, David, did you have for your OK Boomer Award? Your award that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. My OK Boomer Award comes from me remembering historical events slightly wrong. Nice. Because it comes from the F-plot, and they went to Mardi Gras, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because, you see, this aired February 12th, uh, which Mardi Gras in 2001 was February 27th. Um, so this actually aired a little bit before Mardi Gras for the year. And I remembered that in 2001, there were Mardi Gras riots. Now, I put them together as the riots happened around or, or based off of the actual Mardi Gras. No, they actually happened in Seattle or Spokane, one of the two S cities in Washington. Probably Seattle. I think it was Seattle. But they started in February 27th, 2001. And uh, that, I remember that because that was the first, like time that I was old enough to really remember and like catch on to what Mardi Gras was and we watched right around that same time my family uh, ran across a movie called Undercover Blues in New Orleans Mm -hmm. um, which is the first time where my parents explained to me what Mardi Gras was and then I saw Mardi Gras and and talk about Mardi Gras riots on the news and I was like holy shit and I had this belief that that is what Mardi Gras was for like three years was just violent riots and Molotovs and like I hated Louisiana and thought everyone from like Louisiana was crazy and insane and dangerous criminals. I thought that because my mind up and until literally today had the 2001 Mardi Gras riots Mm -hmm. linked to actual Mardi Gras and I had that belief about Louisiana and stuff until I was like I don't know 14 or 15. (laughs) Yeah you know that that's I understand how like stuff like that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where <laughs> just a weird misconception gets in your head and then just never leaves. Until like years later. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had uh, Dewey's Big Wheels. I tried to look up a very specific like, because Big Wheels have been around for a long time. True. Uh, mostly I picked it because like, it's it looks the way I remember Big Wheels looking when I was a kid, as opposed to, like, when my nieces and nephews were getting them in, like, the mid to late 2000s. Right. So, but, like, specifically, it's, like, that orange and yellow plastic that, like, every, like, Fisher Price thing was. from that arrow looked like yeah. is why I chose it. It actually, I think, is a little older than the show, because I looked at all of the models that came out between 99 and 2001. 
True. Now, I didn't expand it past that. But, but this was a flashback. Fair. So it would make sense within the chronology of the show for it to be a little bit older than the actual air date. Okay. And they're poor. So it would be... <laughs> and, so that's why I went to 99. I didn't account for the flashback. And that just leaves the awards. I struggled with this episode. <laughs> it was tough. Uh, shittiest kid and least shitty kid. Okay. Who did you have as your least shitty kid? Uh, no surprise, Dewey. Okay. So he's a perfect angel. Also, he had to relive the trauma of his grandparents. He deserves this award. He deserves a safe space and to know that he is perfect and I will protect him and take care of him, not those evil monsters. That's fair. I, for kind of similar reasons, uh, not not for, you know, having to relive trauma, but for present traumatization, I chose Malcolm. Okay. Exactly. Yes. He's uh, uh, on, you know, pretty good behavior. He doesn't really do anything that bad in the episode. And he uh, has to deal with uh, Ida tre treating him very poorly. You know, getting beat up, then uh, ramming his face into <laughs> a beam. Yeah, I mean, Malcolm, like, he didn't do anything really shitty. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I think, you know, his little moment with Lois and sort of... It, it seems like this is, you know, <laughs> him realizing how awful of people his grandparents are. Yeah. You know, I, I'm hopeful maybe he learns, you know, some life lessons from that. He even turns down the snog of whiskey when offered. Yeah. Yeah. And who did you have as shittiest kid? Francis. I also chose Francis, but I put a question mark afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's justify the question mark then. Uh, I mean, I don't think... Francis is really that bad this episode. He's not that bad, but he also does convince the other cadets to ditch the Academy and go to Mardi Gras. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And definitely do something they're not supposed to. Yeah, and I'm not a huge fan of sort of the, you know, Mardi Gras, the, the, the like, flashing aspect of it. It's always seems sort of... You know, questionable regarding, you know, consent stuff. Well, he called debauchery. Well, yeah. I'm fine with consensual debauchery. Well, it's, you okay. know, the, the mixing of the, the alcohol. It's always just seemed, like, I'm not willing to call it, like, inherently bad, but it's always seemed, you know, I'm... rife for that kind of problem. Well, it is. It happens all the time. Uh, in, yeah, in I, I don't see how it wouldn't. Well, yeah, I mean, you also, I feel like it's any time where the trend or the thought is that being in a place is consent. You don't have consent. Right. Yeah, and that's that's very much so the way Mardi Gras is treated. Like, look, she passed out in Bourbon Street half naked. She wanted it. Like, no, you sick monster. No. Right. And that's... Like, that's the kind of stuff that has actually happened and, and come from Mardi Gras. So right. I, I get it. Yeah. And I'm not condemning you if you go to Mardi Gras or into the whole Mardi Gras thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I was trying to express as well. Yeah, but it's... <sighs> but but it's, I, it's an environment that I find inherently sketchy. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. And I, it's definitely not my scene. And so, you know, between the ditching and the going there, they're definitely all underage. On yeah, top of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no. I, I feel like I mostly give it to Francis here out of, like, secondhand shittiness. <laughs> it was his idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it was his idea. I just, you know, no one does anything that bad this episode. No, it's pretty good. Like, he, even Reese doesn't really do that much. No. You know, aside from pulling the pin on the grenade, but... That's not that's, really shitty. Yeah, that, that's, that's stupid, not shitty. 
Yeah, he does stupid, and he calls himself stupid. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the shittiest thing he really does is flaunt his grandpa's affection in front of Malcolm. Yeah, but even that, he doesn't flaunt it that much. No, just the one scene. Yeah. So, I yeah, no, I, I and that has to do more with Victor's shittiness. Than oh, yeah, exactly. Reese's. Yeah. yeah. So, no, yeah, I, fair enough. I agree. I have to look something up real quick. I don't remember the name of the next episode. What are you talking about? Why do you need the name of the next episode? Well, we're done. There's no more segments. Our last segment, everyone's favorite, is David's Guessing Game. I feel like no one wants to play this anymore. Which, you know, you you did a little less good than the last previous, but the last, like, two episodes. Obviously, you, you know, managed to guess somehow that the grandparents would arrive it's shocking and you know using past information that we've learned you you know said that the grandma would be a horrible person which is true yeah i I, I will give you that yeah i nailed that one but you thought that like the central conflict between lois and the grandparents would be that the boys got punished and the grandparents were like in some way uh interfering with that uh, you know, helping them avoid the punishment, uh, and you thought that that would be, like, the, the main thing that brought them into conflict. Uh, which is not the case. No, they're so shitty. That's the conflict. Yeah. 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 I didn't, I didn't think they were gonna go there. And uh, there's also not a ton of con, like, direct conflict between Lois and them. Just because of the, like, dynamics at play there. It's sort of the, the, like, one person that can just shut Lois down by virtue of being her parents. Which was interesting to see. It, it was. It was an interesting dynamic. Yeah. But I'm going to give you an 80% on this. Wow. You, yeah, yeah right. you know, some, some of the, like, general beats. You know, not not horrible, but but definitely not A work. Okay. All right. Look, um, Bs are good. I, I guess. Maybe for some people. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, let's talk report cards, asshole. Listen, if you if you don't count my math grades, let's talk middle school. Let's oh, talk oh, middle school. Oh, middle sc- <laughs> the issue with middle school grades is that they they made the mistake of letting it slip that middle school grades don't matter. <laughs> Which to me meant I'll sleep through classes. Oh, colleges only care about my high school grades. Great. Guess who's not doing anything now? This oh. guy. Oh my god. But uh, David, what do you think happens in the episode Traffic Ticket? I'm going to guess that Hal gets a traffic ticket. Okay. Or no, you know what? No, that would be too that would be too easy. Lois gets a traffic ticket. Okay. And she's going to argue with the court, I'll bet, but I also think that maybe she tries to hide it from Hal. Okay. And I'm I, I got nothing else from that okay. other than maybe it's one of the boys' fault, but I'm not willing to like lock that in. Okay. But count that as like if that's part of it, that's like bonus points. I don't think that's how <laughs> tests work like there's bonus questions sometimes but it's never like the student is like also i did an extra problem if i got that right you got to give me credit i actually have a story for that. i have done extra work on accident and then turned it in after realizing that it wasn't a sign and then been like eh, if you want it great if not uh, shred it i got 10 extra points for it hmm. no really listen and that's fine if you did it accidentally but i'm, I'm not allowing this premeditated bonus work that's that that's unacceptable okay so do, do, do you want it in there or not no 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 that's fine okay <laughs> like if it's on it's not on the syllabus don't do it david 
that wraps this episode up. You can reach us on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast, uh, where we also put up weekly polls on the shittiest and least shitty kid, and also sometimes other random stuff, uh, like candy ratings and worst neighbor. <laughs> you can also reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth and want to come interact with us live, come on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we stream live, we play video games, and we interact with you guys. And it's a really fun way to get to know you guys and for you guys to get to ask us questions, things like that. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember, life is unfair.